You're listening to the ABCs. Australia retain the Ashy. Brady. End zone. Caught by Brown. Touchdown. New England. Welcome back to you all. A week 12 of the ABCs podcast. Artisanal beverage. Chatting sports. It's what the ABCs stand for. Obviously, here as always is me, Matthew Orsnop, and of course, Machu Workman. Mate, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all. Obviously, we are doing this via correspondence tonight as, mate, you're, you're leaving us this week. You're off to off to the, the UK, the United Kingdom. Um, so what kind of beverage are you celebrating? What, what artisanal beverage have you procured tonight? Yeah, look, I've gone for a, uh, a drink that comes straight from Old Blighty. I've gone for the, uh, the Bell Tea. Uh, lime and raspberry uh, fruit tea. So that's my drink tonight. What's yours? Very, I say, very floral by the sounds of it. I've gone with a uh, <laughs> New Zealand's own long white vodka, the New Zealand sparkling water triple distilled vodka, with uh, natural fruit flavours and sunshine. It's lemon and lime, so it's got a nice little tractor on it. You can check that out. But uh, yeah, it sounds. It was bought for for the wife, and it does sound along those lines. But hey. We don't care here what what you drink as long as it's artisanal. So uh, let's crack into it. Plenty of sport to chat tonight. So yeah, without further ado, let's get straight into the podcast. Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. So of course, as we do every single week, cheeky single. The Rugby World Cup starts this week. Massive, massive tournament. We've waited four years for it. We're ready to go. I'm fired up for it, mate. I know you're ready for it as well. Always. Let's just go straight to your boys, the All Blacks. Is anything less than a World Cup final a failure for them? Yes. I'm going to say yes. Mate, you go first. You're the local. Yeah, so, you know, obviously two-time defending champions, overwhelming favourites. The the eyes of the world um, are on the All Blacks again, I think. And it's pretty hard to sort of think of... I guess just the pressure that they put themselves under. But, um, yeah, I think if you're Steve Hansen, this is your kind of sign-off event. Again, anything less than a final, just because of the expectation from the New Zealand public uh, and the New Zealand media over there, it's it's definitely anything less than a final is absolutely a failure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You've just uh, you've said it well. I mean, I think that the precedent you guys have set in the last two tournaments, it just shows you that you guys can't achieve it. So, no, we, it, 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 I reckon it will be a failure if you don't make at least make the final. Now, obviously, this year, in 2019, there's been a lot of teams who are winning. Obviously, a lot of teams who are losing. But there's also teams that are, are quite clumped in, in terms of their win-loss ratio. Is form of this last year yeah. the most determining factor for World Cup success? No. I'm going to say I'm going to say no. It's, um, it's, a, it's a hard no. It's, maybe it's a maybe. I'm going to throw in a maybe there because... For some teams, the confidence of going into World Cup means a lot. But I think as we've seen along the way as well, that so many teams try so many different combinations leading into the World Cup, that you can't really tell much from, from the form. Well, that's exactly it, mate. And it's, it's not just that, really. You look at um, things like long-term injuries uh, from guys like last year, like we're obviously seeing you know, Sia Colisi come back into the frame for the Springboks now and, and other guys who have sort of been on the outer for a while sort of um, making their way back in. So there are a number of, I guess, other factors outside of performance that you've got to take into account, but you're right. It's about combinations, about building depth. So a mediocre 2018 does not really, in my opinion, affect 2019. In terms of, of these box that we just mentioned in there with 
see a Khaleesi coming back in. But we've had the assistant coach um, come out in the last few days pointing to a potential refereeing um, bias towards the All Blacks, towards New Zealand. Um, I can't can't agree with him more. But uh, <laughs> there are always howlers and there are always human sort of issues when it comes to, to refereeing. But do you think the referees will keep to a high enough standard this tournament? Wait on. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, mistakes will happen and I think we just have to live with that. You hope... A, you know, a, a cricket World Cup doesn't sort of rear its head where, you know, it's a bad penalty or, you know, it was it was the missed call with the overthrows, but it's a bad penalty in the 77th minute to have a team knocked out. But, you know, and, and rugby is that game where there's so much that's up to interpretation from the referee, but these are mm. the world best, you know, it's the best referees in the world for the biggest tournament. Um, yes, there's pressure on them, but at the same time, you know, there's always a lot of eyes in Super Rugby as well. There's a lot of eyes in the... Six Nations, there's a lot of eyes in normal internationals and normal club rugby. So you know, I think they'll be able to handle it. Yeah, I'm, I'm mild to medium, purely because I think, um, you know, we've seen so many howlers on the bigger stage. And, and if you're world rugby, this is the one tournament every four years where you cannot afford to get things wrong. But unfortunately, uh, as we've seen time and time again, um, you know, we're, we're seeing, of course, recollections back to referee howlers as, as way back as time memorial. But what we need to sort of think about, I guess, from a, a refereeing point of view is, you know, is it about getting things right or is it about just making sure that there's clarity in that decision? Because uh, often we see, you know, a lot of going back and forth, back and forth, but we don't quite get the explanation as to why. And it's that area, I think, where... Um, fans in particular feel like they've been let down by referees. There's not enough of an explanation so that what referees are seeing on the ground can then translate into what, you know, fans are seeing, you know, from their TV screens or from the stands. It's going to be a huge tournament. We're excited for the kickoff this weekend. Absolutely. So we'll definitely grab a couple of artisanals and, uh, yeah, we'll be watching watching the games where we can. Now, moving from one big sport to another, English Premier League, UEFA football, plenty going on, but starting with the Premier League, now, basically, all pundits in the world across all medias, have they peaked too early, calling it a two-horse race? That's an easy yes for me. Yeah, uh, what come do you through. think, mate? Yeah, I, um, it's a tough one for me. Like, I think what we're seeing is that, um, you know, we, we, we sort of forget that form is temporary. Um, and, and so we've got, we obviously saw that, um, you know, Man City lost to Watford uh, over the weekend there. I think it was 3-2 or something like that. Um and we're seeing uh, teams uh, like... Norwich, Norwich City. Oh, sorry, Norwich City. Sorry, that's you know, Watford uh, this weekend. What, what, yeah, Watford so. drew two all with, with Arsenal. Massive result as well, though. Yeah, so so what we're seeing is these bigger clubs are, are really battling away when it comes to, you know, um, traditionally easy fixtures. And, and we mentioned, I think, in an earlier podcast about how the Premier League is the most competitive league on the planet. And this is another example of that. And so um, absolutely, it's definitely too premature to call it a two-horse race. And um, and I hope that other teams uh, take note. Yeah, I mean, I think it's massive for the competition, but also great for great for us viewers to to see the little guys, the, the Davids beat the Goliaths. And, you know, in such a, with the league, with such sort of money and financial disparity... Talking about Arsenal, they drew with Watford. They were up, well, I think they were up 2-0. Uh, and then, yeah, they've, they've drawn it to all. United did beat my boys Leicester on the weekend 1-0, but they've struggled early doors. You know, they're not, they're not expected to contend for championships anymore. Is that, is that too much of an overstatement? No, <laughs> not no. at all. Tell me your thoughts. I think for me, mate, it's, it's just because you've seen time and time again that Arsenal get into 
these sorts of positions where you know they're doing all right. But again, um, it only takes one goal to bring another goal through, and um, and there's just a little bit of unease. And I think supporters of Arsenal, and, and I know quite a few myself, uh, have been worried about this for some time, and this dates back to well before Arsene Wenger left, so um, I don't feel like there's enough confidence even within the fan base to think that they're going to make it, and probably the same for United as well. Yeah, I think the best thing about this for me is that it kind of shows you that money doesn't buy success, um, and it is all about how well your team plays together, not how much you spent on your team, and I think for many years... The, the superstars of Europe are kind of brought into the English Premier League. And it's always been like that, but it's always been a lot of these championship teams are underpinned by European or English, you know, international as well as local players who are kind of the glue in the cracks. And I think some of these teams aren't focusing on that glue. They're not getting the right positional players to then complement the stars. And I think that's it's really showing. You know, it's really showing in their in their in their games. Week totally week, agree. For months to months mm. and. Seasons to seasons because they have struggled recently. As we mentioned in the top, the UEFA Champions League, it's kicked off first round on its way, or yeah, first round on its way. Um, current champions, Liverpool, they've lost to Napoli 2 0. It was away, so it was, in, it was in Italy. But do they bounce back? Yes. Okay, yeah. It's, it, I mean, they're a quality side, they're away from home. You know, it, it, it can't always be easy going to another team's stadium. And, you know, there's obviously. Intense fixtures, whether it's the local stuff, there's the travel. I mean, one slip up, it's not the worst. It's only the first game of the group stage. So they've got plenty of time to, to sort of regroup and get on with it. Yeah, I sort of I agree. But I think there's also another wider question is now that they've won the Champions League, of course, they're the defending champions. Where does Liverpool and, um, you know, their whole side, where is their focus now? Is it on the Premier League where they've got a, you know, a five-point lead already? Or is it on the Champions League? And so what they ask there is, is there going to be a two-tier system, which we often see when sides play in Europe, you know, particularly in the Europa League. But it's about you know, making sure that they've got their priorities straight. And if that's winning the Premier League for the first time in you know, umpteen years, then you know, they can't let things like the Champions League get in the way. Of course, of course. Now, the Ashes ended this week. What a tournament it was. It was a draw in the end. So do we call this a successful summer for England? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, yeah. Come, come through for one there. Come through for one. I'm, I'm calling mm. through. Okay. I'm calling through for one here, just because the World Cup victory. Yeah. Looking back in five to ten years, twenty years time, is gonna mean so much more than the what the first team to lose in I think eighteen years to not be an Australian team at home. Now I understand that's big, and it's obviously big between Australia and England. But the fact that they beat us during the World Cup, uh, and convincingly. They then went on to win the world, well, draw the World Cup and claim it. By yeah, some here we go. Here we bullshit go. rule, which you know I'm still still livid about. But um, yeah, I just think that yeah, I just uh, I think it's still a successful summer. I mean, it's not like they were a strongest, the strongest English side that was expected to win. Um, but you know, the series win would have been good. But you know, I think the World Cup means heaps. Well, it's a World Cup that they've never won. You know, it's a it's a World Cup that they probably, um, you know, who knows when they'll win that again. But what we did see, I guess, from that World Cup is that, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a bloody big ass to do that and then defend the or try and win the Ashes. So I think the fact that they were able to sort of hang in there to all, 
they were up against it for quite a lot of that Ashes series as well. So to come back, um, particularly obviously with the inclusion of guys like Ben Stokes, Joffrey Archer, these sorts of guys made a massive difference when it came to, I guess, just making sure that it was a two-wall draw rather than a, a 3-1 loss or, or something like that. So I, I would agree. I would definitely agree with you in terms of uh, it's a successful season. It's still about a 6 or a 7 out of 10. It's not the perfect season, but it's not that far off. Yeah, so now... Obviously, it was a draw in the end, two-all draw. They won the England won the last test to to tie it all up, but Australia already knew that they had won the Ashes going into that, as their yes. lead was unassailable. But did they blow the chance to win the series, which they haven't done for even longer, hmm. um, by bowling first in the fifth test, having won the toss? Easy one. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely almost say two there as well for sure. I think it just it's it's just one of those ones, isn't it? Where you know, bowling first, it's such a, you sort of question the captaincy there from, from Tim Payne, particularly on an on incredibly sticky sort of surface. I, I sort of, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not overly convinced that I think, you know, after the series, whether Tim Payne will remain captain over the next sort of 12 months. But you, you see, obviously, with the way Steve Smith's playing, he's obviously back to his best, you know. But I, I just, that again, that and his reviews just really sort of put me into... No man's land when it came to Tim Payne's captaincy, that's for sure. Yeah, look, I think Smith has shown that without the captaincy on his shoulders, he's a better batsman, and he is a better batsman without the captaincy. So I think we should steer, as Australians, we should steer clear of just giving captaincy to our best batsman because at the end of the day, our batsmen are only as good as the runs they're making. Um, I think even Joe Root struggled a bit this tournament, or this at least this series, um, and he struggled. Depends where he bats in the order as well, but he struggled as of late to hold both captaincy and 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 the best sort of batsman. Yeah, that's a fair shot. So, mm. you know, I don't mind having Tim Payne if he's going to get things right. And, you know, we all make mistakes and, you know, it's obviously a very public way to make a mistake. But, yeah, some of those reviews did cost them. But I think in terms of uh, in terms of that decision, yeah, that, that, that was just a bad one on a good pitch um, and it just sort of put Australia behind the eight ball from the start. Now, of course, the Basketball World Cup, just ended. Team USA, I think, finished seventh in the end. Their lowest yeah. ever. Did they fail in this campaign? Got to be yes. at least three here. Got to be at least three here. <laughs> buzzers. Come through. There's a couple of overthrows yeah. for <laughs> you as well, buzzers. mate. Absolutely. Raise the bat. Uh, yeah. Fail. Yeah. Easy. I don't think there's anything more that needs to be said. Lose to France, lose to Serbia. Embarrassing. Bang, bang. Now... It does show you, though, because we saw from the, the, the players that made themselves available and those that made themselves unavailable, probably a, an even better list. Now, is the Basketball World Cup, is it truly worth more than an Olympic gold medal? Is it worth more than an NBA playoff? Is it, is it the highest sort of accolade that a basketball player can win? I'm saying, oh, it's a hard question. It's, it's I'm almost, gonna, I'm just going to say waiting. Yeah, that's all you can say is waiting. It's, it kind of it obviously depends on who you are. It shows that for so many Americans that the idea of and 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 other and some other international players. I know a few Australians. Ben Simmons, for one, didn't play in the World Champs to then I mean, in the World Cup to then obviously be or meet his teammates and play better for Philadelphia. But yeah, I don't know. Obviously, to some, it's the idea of getting paid. It's your career. It's your money. It's NBA playoffs. Like that's the that's the place to be. I know for others it's it's a gold medal and, and to have that Olympic gold medal, call yourself an Olympian, that's massive. 
but I mean, at the same time as well, your basketball world champions. I mean, no one can take that away from Spain, and and maybe we've seen the strength of Europe to this tournament. Maybe the world champs do mean more to the European nations than than say to America. I think that's exactly what it is, mate. I think um, you know when you're. Um, you're obviously not getting paid anywhere near as much as the Americans are. Um, you know, you're, you've got a different sort of window. Uh, all these sorts of things factor in, I guess. And, and obviously, we had no Stephen Adams, who, who continually turns down the Tall Blacks jersey to focus on his time at the OKC Thunder. Um, I think I don't know if they're in preseason or something at the moment, but what we do see there is, I guess, that those American-based players, you know. It's a profession. You know, they do this for a living. That's how they get their $100 million contract is not, you know, by skipping things and going to a, a wee tournament. It's by, you know, sticking around, doing the work, doing the hard yards, and, and that's the only way, really. So I, I can understand. Now, talking about the ultimate professionals, the NFL is now into week two. There's been already a few movements, a few exciting things happening with uh, Antonio Brown moving. I think he, what, he signed the million, something million-dollar guarantee, didn't play a game, rocked up first day and just and just walked out. He's actually ended up with the Patriots, arguably the most – well, definitely, not even arguably, hands down the most successful sort of franchise, at least for the last sort of 15, 20 years. But is mm-hmm. Brady and Belichick, now obviously you know, quarterback, coach, are they the best combo, you know, one-two punch – we've ever seen in all sports. It's it. I'm, I'm leaning into I'm, a yes here. Hard to, yeah, look, I'm, I can see I'm an the opportunity. There may, be, there may be a misfield there that we can run on. It's a, it's a hard one, though, isn't it? Because I think, and, I, and I'm not going to protest to being the, um, the NFL expert here. Um, I'm, def, I'm definitely not. But I guess, you know, without people like Bilicek and, and Brady, and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to know just how six, six, sorry, successful uh, the Patriots could have been. Um, pretty amazing sort of career for both of them. I know that there was a bit of, a bit of issues around, I guess, sort of a feud last year. I think it was in, in January last year. There was a bit of a strained relationship between Belichick um, and Brady. But, but what we've seen here is that the success that they've de- managed to develop is it's pretty second to none, mate. I mean, it, it stands almost unrivaled in so many different sports. And I think... The bit that gets me about it, and obviously you say, I mean, how good would the Patriots have been without them? I don't think they would have been nearly this good because you look at the drafting system, you look at the player turnovers. I mean, even the Patriots themselves have turned over so many players from their first Super Bowl win of 2001 um, all the way up to you know last year's. You know, like they've changed their roster so many times across their six Super Bowls. They've you know moved around so many different combinations. But more importantly, every other team's done that as well. And there's 32 teams across the NFL. So... It's not like you can just sort of show up and win. It's only a sixteen week season, like it, it everything's a bit more mm. high octane, high pressure in and out. And I think on that, that they've just to to remain so level headed, to lose some big games and yet still continue to win and win big in postseasons and in the finals. Um, yeah, unparalleled. I'd say they're the best best in sports ever. Now, from great, great sports and the great history of a club. The NRL, now the Roosters won, the Storm didn't. The Storm had a close game, ruined by Touchy's error, stuff him. But for the Roosters and the Storm, is Yuck. anything less than a final a fail? Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm going to say wait on. I'm going to say anything less than a prelim is a fail because prelims are pretty hard to get into, um, especially now that the Storm will be on a, an away prelim. So it can get quite hard to, to get up there. But 
in terms of, you know, like they were both there last year and they both made the final last year, it is pretty hard unless you're Brady and Belichick. It's pretty hard to, to replicate finals on finals on finals on finals. Um, mm. You know, and I think that the Storm played well throughout the year and, you know, they deserve to – they don't deserve to, but, but they definitely, on their form, they showed that they're good enough to play in the final and to win. But, you know, losing the first week, it does make a massive difference. But they've done it before and they're going to face a rampant – Parramatta coming off, yeah, a massive, massive high. But yeah, I think anything less than the prelims is a fail. If they if Storm go out in straight sets, that's no good. And I think now that the Roosters have got that home prelim, yeah, maybe anything less than a final for them, yeah, would would be a fail. Oh, I totally agree. And when you look at the team like the Storm, you know, you don't run away with, um, you know, minor premiership to 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 not make the final. Um, and so I. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think, you know, they've, they've put all the pressure on themselves there in terms of where they've finished up. But I don't think that excuses them from not making the final, to be honest. Now, of course, that is the end of our cheeky single, which leads us into everyone's favourite. Of course, the reason why we, we truly do this podcast, mate, it is everyone's favourite segment. Drinks Chat. Alrighty, well, welcome back, of course, to uh, to another uh, sensational edition of Drinks Chat, Drinks Chat number twelve, uh, I believe. So, um, Matt, obviously you've you've spoken a wee bit about the great long white. Um, why don't you kick us off with a a wee touch on maybe the notes and uh, and the taste that you can taste? Yeah. So the notes, it's um the notes of of carbonation are definitely strong. I've been burping off a storm over here, which I've. It's, uh, it's probably a good thing that we're not sitting next to each other because you'd think it'd be quite rude. Um, definitely lemon-limey. It's, um, it's quite light on, which is, which is beautiful. It's what you want. Plenty of carbonation, mate. How's your, uh, how's your fruit tea going? Yeah, look, it's, it's a really relaxed brew. Um, it, it's, a, it's quite an interesting one. It's a raspberry lime, and um, it's, it's got a very, very berry flavour. And often when you get berry teas and stuff like that, it can be quite watery with a bit of a, yeah. um, a fruity note. But this is very much the opposite. Um, what about your price budget there, mate? What's your price point? Um, price budget, so this, this came in a, in, a, in a box, and it was, uh, it was probably 20-odd bucks. So it probably comes down to, you know, Two bucks a can-ish, so I mean, obviously different from if you bought it as a single can, but all in all, pretty cheap. So I'd give that a, I think uh, price-wise, I'm giving it, you know, a good four out of four out of five, and I think taste-wise, yeah. I'm three and a half. Leaning okay. into four, but a three and a half. Maybe okay. a three seven five. Uh, give it a three seven five. Oh, here we go. Just, just bending the rules all day. Artisanal. Oh, artisanal uh, measurements, but yes. Yeah, so. Um, I, I sort of think, yeah, in terms of the taste for mine, I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards a four out of five. I think it's a very relaxing drink. Um, you can have it hot or cold, actually, which is um, which is a nice little option. And, um, and price yeah. for those at home? Those yeah, price for those at home. It's only uh, it's it's three dollars fifty for uh, for a box, um, four dollars for a box. So uh, very cheap. Um, you get a box you get of twenty, uh, and so you get serious value there. Hard to beat. Four and a half out of five. Uh, sport pairing. Yeah, well. Look, I've thought long and hard about mine. I don't know if you have, mate. Uh, no, but I've got the perfect sport. <laughs> Talk me through it. Uh, beach volleyball. It's a light, airy drink. Ooh. Similar to that of the ball, which is light and airy. But also, you know, you just want to sit there, sunglasses on, 
and uh, you know, just enjoy the sun. It's kind of like you can kind of sunbathe and enjoy the like the surrounds, as well yeah. as then watching a bit of sport sort of continue on. And it's kind of one of those drinks where if you're playing and you're sweating up a storm, even in those bloody skimpy bikinis, mate. Even in those ones, I still reckon <laughs> you're, you're working up a sweat. That this would be refreshing enough to enjoy on the sidelines. So therefore, as the spectator, I can just sit there and just be refreshed as well. It's perfect for that. Oh, that sounds good to me, Matt. Well, I've gone for, as you know, I go for a nostalgic yep, sport uh, with my choices. And so I, the only thing I can think of when I think of this lime and raspberry tea is, is synchronised swimming. And yeah, perfect. I think I think a lot of it just comes down to all the time I spent at Moana Pool, um, you know, <laughs> just lapping it up big time there. Um, you'd see the local um, synchronised swimming crew and, and listen to their music. and So you just sit back and, and have a cup of tea and watch on uh, with absolute delight. So I'm going with uh, synchronised swimming, both for the, the fruitiness of of the sport, but also just for the uh, the enjoyment factor as well. So uh, happy days, mate. It's a uh, wrap on the drinks chat. Now, of course, marathon, been and done. Um, how's the recovery coming along, mate? You, you, you doing okay? Yeah, mate. I'm. I finally. I think my body's finally got back uh, to to full fitness after what seems awesome. like an eternity. I think the only thing that's really I've been really struggling with, and I don't know about you, mate, but it's the mental side, because um, it's just been such a massive goal, and you know you work so hard towards it, and you've got real tunnel vision on it. It's really hard coming out of it with no real set goal. So I've been going to the gym. Uh, I'll go sort of going twice a week at the moment. Um, and as you've already mentioned, I'm heading to the UK, so I've, I'm sort of looking up marathons at the moment in the UK, um, just so that I can Any sort catch of get back to... Um, yeah, there's a couple in there, mate. Like, there's one that I think could be quite interesting. It's the, uh, it's the ba- Baxter's Loch Ness Marathon and Festival of Running, which is happening in October. Nice. Uh, so that might be one, um, you know, want to go catch a monster at the same time, you can do that. Um, but there's also the Surrey, um, sorry, there's the Norfolk, the Norfolk Coastal Trail Marathon, which is happening uh, later this month. So I might miss that one. But yeah, there's there's quite a few options around, particularly towards November, December, and uh, nice. the height of winter. Um, so yeah, nice yeah watch, this, watch this space. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. No, I think my recovery wise, um, yeah, my ankles are still playing up a bit. I'm still doing a little bit of my rehab, and yeah, every so often I can just sort of feel things aren't quite there. So. That probably shows you the uh, the lack of Ks that were put into the feet and the fact I got those brand new shoes leading into the marathon. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, um, recently, yeah, the, the car's been shifted on from from our household or from my household. So I'm actually riding riding bike to and from work and around town. Yeah, right. And, um, yeah, that's been a it's been a good fitness thing to to to, to tuck into. But um, I think for now, that's kind of been the Definitely the, the sole focus. And, um, yeah, I mean, I do see myself completing another marathon. But I think mm. the start of this bike riding is also looking into, uh, yeah, potentially doing uh, some triathlons this this coming summer. There's a few, yeah, I like that. I like that. A few around the track. So, yeah, getting into that. So, I have to get into a bit of, bit of swimming while we're there. But enough about us. It be, would be remiss of us not to just mention a quick little Pete Murray on the side. Oh, um, yes, yes. Now, this one is close to both you and I. In a way, um, in that it's uh, the, the the Pete Murray winners of the week is actually every runner in the world. Anyone that's ever <laughs> run a run, because I think we did our we did our, our half marathon. Obviously during the marathon, did our half marathon in about that two hour mark, and we were pretty happy. We felt like we were we were motoring along. Now, yes. Jeffrey 
Kem Wara has just gone off and set a new half marathon world record of 57 <sighs> minutes and, and 59 seconds. It was actually it was adjusted post race to 58.01. Now, he's gone for the first 5Ks, he's done it in 2.47 per K. His next 5Ks was 2.45 per K. And then at 15Ks, the 15K mark, he was going for 2.42 per K. This man was absolutely so he's getting flying. Faster. He's getting faster. Yeah, so the he's he's the done negative splits, sub three minute Ks for 21 for 21Ks. 21Ks. 57 minutes. He's done it in sub an hour, which is bloody impressive. It was like seven or eight seconds, I think, better than the previous world record. This week's winners are all of us. Now, on that beautiful, <laughs> beautiful note, forecast, week ahead, mate, the World Cup tournament starts this week, Rugby World Cup, one team, don't fluff around. Look, I, um, it's hard, isn't it? Because there really is only one team, I think, and, uh, and that's the All Blacks. And, and we've spoken about this so often already, and, and it's really hard. I mean, obviously, we've spoken a little bit in the past about European sides, and those Northern Hemisphere sides do, do pose a massive threat to the All Blacks, and... Um, we're only a couple of injuries away from from being, you know, in the in the rest of the pack, I guess, the peloton. But um, but yeah, I think I still think we're too we're too strong. We've got a lot of depth, and um, we've got a lot of guys who've missed out on World Cup spots who are who are ready to answer the call. So hard to to see I think, any other team for me. So New Zealand, it is. All right, great for not fluffing around there, mate. Um, but it was a it was a lengthy answer. <laughs> I'm sure everyone at home really appreciated the insight. But no, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think. Uh, <laughs> Look, I think Australia are quietly confident, but I don't think they're going to win it. Um, my, 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 my pick, the Springboks, be the first team to win both the Rugby Championship and the World Cup. Go against the ABC stats man because, mate, this uh, you know history. We 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 live through history. We're going to see it happen before our eyes. Now, of course, we've got some big EPL action this week. Um, a couple of big games. I mean, top of the table clash or top-ish, top end of the table clash for my boys and bottom end table clash for you boys. We've got Leicester against Spurs and we've got Newcastle, Brighton. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you think your boys are going to pull up? How do you think they're going to travel? Oh, mate, it's so hard to know. Um, you know, we are the absolute banner for mediocrity and um, we've obviously got a few guys who've been out injured. DeAndre Yedlin has, um, has really battled. I think he's only just coming yep. back from injury now or an operation, sorry. Um, so we've got a few guys who are, who are sort of walking wounded. And um, look, I'm, I'm hopeful. Shall we just say that? I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll beat Brighton, but I'm not, What's I'm not positive. I think if on a good day, it's a 2-1 it's a to us. Um, on a normal day, um, I'd probably say it's a one or draw. Okay, okay. Well, look, Tottenham are up and about. Even though it's at home, they're a pretty good side. I'm either thinking a 1-0 to Spurs or maybe a one-all draw to the, for the two of us. I'd be happy with the win, but but somewhat surprised. Now, of course, heads and tails, we do it every week. This is a big one. Uh, we've got Japan, Russia. It's the opening game of the World Cup. Mm. Uh, we've got a, let's, 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 you got the coin there, do you? Yeah, mate, absolutely got a coin here. You ready? Now, I, I, yeah, so I've got to, got to believe of course, <laughs> what, what's going up here, but yeah. give it a go. So, okay, so I'm going to count this in. So here we go. Three, two, one. Heads. And we've got a head, mate. Oh, awesome. I mean, easy, boys. Good luck. You are. Domo arigato. Go with the Japanese. Home tournament. Give it a, give it a good whack. 
and uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it'll be the Japanese. Yeah, I think it's a good call. I mean, it's the only call really, isn't it? I mean, it's the opening game of the tournament, and um, should be an absolute cracker way to, to start off the World Cup. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to this. No, I, I am too. Should be should be a massive World Cup. We're going to wrap that up. That is the end of the week 12. That's the end of the the corris- or the first of many correspondence podcasts, mate. But it's been a pleasure. I've uh, I've enjoyed my, my drink drink alone, but uh, I can feel your your artisanal spirit coming through. Yeah, thanks, mate. She's been a great drop, a great podcast. And looking forward to doing it again soon. Yeah, mate. Um, grab some beverages, obviously. Enjoy the uh, the upcoming sport, whichever takes your fancy. And of course, as always, stay artisanal.